Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. See website for details. All right. It's Sacred Fire of Liberty. Time on the Robert Scott Bell Show. We're going to uh, crank it up with uh, messages even in the midst of uh, overt hostility toward people who love freedom, who love liberty, who recognize that our rights come from God, not government. In the midst of uh, tragedies like the shooting, obviously, we're going to have to cover again uh, today with Jonathan E. Mord. Uh, what is the rightful remedy to tragedies like this? Is it to restrict freedom? Is it to abrogate the rights of the people? Is it to make people that are already defenseless even more defenseless? These are questions we're asking, and I know Jonathan E. Mord will be happy to chime in on and more. And uh, let me see. And then we've got other uh, we've got some good video clips you'll want to see. Who, how did this guy become president? That's a big question with what he said about what you couldn't own during the Revolutionary War. We'll fact check that. <sighs> All right. How has the pandemic uh, resulted in even more hospitalizations for teenagers? It has nothing to do directly with COVID, only indirectly to the response to COVID. Uh, a lot of depression, a lot of uh, angst and anxiety. We've got a comment of the day about some uh, things that I put out there that have helped people. This is great. And it is Thankful Thursday. We'll see what we can get to in that regard. So. Fire up your computers or whatever you're listening, your phones, share the links, share the link to robertscottbell.com slash listen. We're about to go live with Jonathan E. Mord on the Sacred Fire of Liberty edition right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. Sit down and get out of this No. Please to get his ass out of here. This isn't the place to talk to so This is totally predictable when you Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you're out of line. Please leave this auditorium. I can't believe you're a sick son of a bitch that would come to a deal like this to make a political issue. Yeah, you want me to come in? So we're following some developments here at this news conference here in Uvalde right now. That is Beto O'Rourke, who is telling the governor of Texas right now another shooting is going to happen, essentially putting the onus on the governor and the leadership in Texas right now, confronting him face to face at this news conference over the killings that happened at this elementary school. We should mention Beto O'Rourke is also running for office here in the state of Texas, statewide office. Yeah, but Beto, dude, he's disgusting. I mean, showing up at that conference to score political points for his uh, uh, campaign to, I don't know what he's running for, dog catcher. I wouldn't vote for him for that either. Welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show, Sacred Fire of Liberty edition. Obviously, we, you know, front and center in the news, who could not have, who could avoid it? Um, the issue of the tragedy uh, in that uh, elementary school there in, in Texas. And, I, you know, I said this yesterday, and we'll have Jonathan E. Mord come in here, here as well as chime on, not only on Beto and things that are going on, 
but I've got enough history, you know, with my Jewish ancestry and history that where you gave up guns and suddenly you were defenseless and then you were slaughtered. You were nearly uh, eradicated from the from the world. Now, this is not to say that in that case that if Jews didn't give up their firearms, they, they still wouldn't have been harmed in some way, shape or form. But you would have taken some bad guys out with you. And I think that is appropriate in such circumstances when you're threatened. And so I mentioned yesterday on the show having, you know, my son is already graduated. He's out in the working world, but my daughter's still in, in high school. And, uh, I made sure, and I'm sure that they have a, a well-armed defensive capacity within that school so that you don't wait for a shooting event to then call the police that may be minutes or who knows how long away to respond or react. At that point, the tragedy has already occurred to have a defensive position that is as overwhelming to those who would come in and attack the defenseless, the idea that you would make those folks even more defenseless by removing the ability to defend them. You know, you follow me. This to me defies logic, common sense or anything. It's just an emotional reaction for people that somehow have an irrational fear of inanimate objects that are used as tools more to defend life than to take it in context of you know, those that have bodyguards, those that are complaining they want to eradicate gun gun rights, right? Guns don't have rights, but the people are right to keep and bear arms that those people claiming that you shouldn't have a firearm for your defense are completely surrounded by people that are heavily armed to keep you from them. Hypocrisy abounds in the uh, argument to di- to, to basically uh, disarm Americans who would stand in defense against those tragic attacks. Jonathan Emord, welcome, my friend. Uh, we're cranking it up, and I know you've got some things to say about this and Beto as well, but welcome, my friend. I'm glad you're here. Yes, sir, Robert. It's good to be with you. Yeah. So he Beto is obviously a buffoon and, and a dangerous one at, at best, I would say, because any of these folks that are saying the answer to these violent attacks that happen to have firearms involved is to disarm those that could have uh, been in the, well, in a, in a capacity to prevent them from occurring, it, it just... I don't know where you're, where are these people pulling from? Cause they're not using logic. I quite agree with you, Robert. So Beto O'Rourke is an exhibitionist. He's a political exhibitionist. He uh, craves for public attention and he's a buffoon. He's filled with uh, inconsistency, hypocrisy. And so he's really uh, reached the point where in order to get that political attention that he he craves, the public attention for him in a political vein that he craves, he has to stage events. And this is just one of them. Um, but on the bigger issue, the real issue of this horrific uh, situation that took place in Texas in the elementary school there, um, the, the, the logic uh, that you see missing from the far left on this, they hate the second amendment and they don't understand it. And they think that guns in and of themselves are the animating force for crime, which of course is absurd. People will commit crime. Even if guns were not available, they would use other means and they would commit horrific acts. They use explosives or they would use knives or swords or spears or whatever. But the deterrent, you, you know, you have to ask yourself, uh, how do you minimize the risk of this happening again? And the smartest thing to do is to have a structure uh, in place that focuses on maximizing the 
likelihood that anyone who would pose a lethal threat in this context would be killed as rapidly as possible, taken out as fast as possible. And the way that is achieved is by ensuring that there are armed uh, individuals in the, in the schools mm-hmm. who are trained to use their weapons and trained for this type of circumstance. And then in addition, the schools are structured so that those who are trained can rapidly enter uh, rooms and can have access, not necessarily through a door, but perhaps through the roof or through any other means, but have rapid access that is unique to them and to others who are uh, teachers, for example, who are trained to use firearms as well. The, the more you can assure that anyone who does this is rapidly killed, the less attractive it becomes as a means to create terror. Yeah, as a target. I mean, if a shooter knows, and I'm not saying there aren't people that are so far out of their mind and irrational and not connected to any uh, you know, logical thoughts, right? We, we've se- we've right. seen this, and you know this too, Jonathan. Many of, if not all of the school shootings that we've seen in, in history back from Columbine on forward seem to have some connection to psychiatric medication, right? Removing the governor on behavior because, you know, people, humans are human. They have bad days and good days. And sometimes you think, and somebody cut me off in tra- traffic, you know, you're angry, right? But you wouldn't resort to killing or, or violence or in the sense of uh, depression, you know, thinking of killing yourself. I mean, people think of those things, suicidal ideation they talk about, but these drugs, and I don't know if that's involved in this case, I don't know, but we do know the pattern has emerged for a long, decades now long. It's not a mystery and should be one of the first things that's assessed when you see a shooter like this or as a, uh, a warning sign that somebody might have a behavior that could lead to something desperate and horrible like this. Antipsychotic drugs uh, ordinarily increase the risk of suicidality and uh, violent ideation in, in people mm-hmm. who use those drugs. And there are a whole host of these types of drugs. In some countries, for example, in England, it's unlawful in light of the evidence to prescribe such drugs to youth. In the United States, it's lawful. They have a black box warning that says that this may increase the risk of suicide and violent behavior, but they don't uh, prohibit the prescription of it to youth. And it is undoubtedly contributing to violence uh, among youth because it's known. The association is not controversial in the scientific community. It's generally accepted. So that's one part of it. But The bigger part of it, I think, is this uh, assurance of rapid and uh, uh, successful intervention to kill those who are posing a lethal threat in the school. And that that is uh, that is not there in most instances. I don't know what the situation was in the grade school here. I do know that the Border Patrol agents uh, were involved in, in one of them we don't know his name, was an extraordinary hero who took out this 18-year-old terrorist Mm. uh, in one fell swoop. The problem was, as I understand it, from the vantage point of the police and the border patrol, was basically the structure of the room did not allow for them to get a a good angle to to shoot the... To take him down, right? And so... Um, 
required a degree. We're going to learn more, but apparently it required quite a degree of heroism on the part of the border patrol agent who broke through the door and uh, then achieved the objective. But it's this kind of thing that we have to think about. We have to think about the structure of the, the school uh, itself, its architecture and means by which those who would intervene could do so rapidly and successfully yeah. and focus on that. Instead of, instead of that, of course, we have Chuck Schumer and uh, Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden focusing on this ridiculous idea, unconstitutional in itself, but ridiculous that you take away the arms of those who are law abiding and that will somehow prevent those who intent are intent on criminality from using a weapon. All it will do is disarm those who would otherwise be able to defend themselves and survive. And it's also, of course, the first uh, element of tyranny. If you want to, if you yeah. want take away the people's liberties, the first thing you do is disarm them. Yeah, take away their ability to defend themselves against, uh, uh, you know, more powerful fo forces, more powerful than they are. For instance, you know, those, you know, women, if they're vulnerable in situations, uh, if you say they cannot carry, right, for instance, in, in their defense, to equalize the playing field, so to speak, if an attacker goes after them. Now, I mentioned this, and I try to personalize this discussion the best way I can, knowing that my daughter's still in high school, right? And I've been engaged a bit to understand that at the school she's going to, they do have well-armed and, and I believe even the teachers have a lot, you know, if they have met the qualifications and are trained in, in active shooter drills as well. And those that uh, monitor the campus so that it would prevent somebody from even entering, right? The idea that you would wait to call the police to react to something as opposed to be proactive to start seeing, Hey, there's some suspicious guy on the campus. Let's stop it there. And, and so I try to, you know, take it out of even political discussion, although you can't avoid it when there are uh, many in the body politic arguing that we should be defenseless and that those schools should be gun free zones. And yet the only thing a sign that says this is a gun free zone does is lets a per potential perpetrator know that there will be no resistance to their heinous acts in this case. Yeah, now, they, they don't what they need to do, what they need to understand and they refuse to is to understand the psyche or the incentive of a criminal. A criminal is going to look for an opportunity mm -hmm. to exploit. Vulnerability. So if you tell people that this is a gun-free zone, then the first weapon they will think of in going into the gun-free zone to have the maximum impact and uh, ability to terrorize people is a gun. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's ridiculous. It's sort of like the people who put baby on board and a bumper sticker on their car. The only people who find that interesting are sick. I mean, the problem with that is why are you advertising to the only class that has an interest in your baby being on board your car, mm -hmm. which is someone who's interested in molesting or killing your child? Better to not do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's this liberal mindset that says, oh, you know, if we all get rid of our guns, then there'll be no gun violence. Well, do you honestly think that people are currently violating the law will follow the law? Yeah, suddenly they will be law abiding. You know what? So we've got to go into the second amendment concept and the history of it, because apparently the Biden regime and Biden himself or whoever's writing his speeches continually gets the facts so far from right that to call them wrong would be an understatement. 
uh, and we get into the context of the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear in our, uh, arms is, you know, shall not be infringed. And so many arguments are now coming out. Well, they never had these back then, and you couldn't have these back then. On and on it goes. And uh, Super Don, do you have that clip of of uh, Biden ready where he's actually saying something that is so demonstrably false? It's like, how does he keep making the same mistake? This is not the first time he's said this or done this. Super Don, do you have that ready? I yeah. spent my career as chairman of the Judiciary Committee and as vice president working for common sense gun reforms. As I said, as a senator and a vice president. While they clearly will not prevent every tragedy, we know certain ones will have significant impact and have no negative impact on the Second Amendment. Second Amendment is not absolute. When it was passed, you couldn't own a you couldn't own a cannon. You couldn't own certain kinds of weapons. It's just always been limitations. So where is the uh, basis within the laws of, uh, you know, the, the the signing of the Constitution and the ratification of it that said, yeah, you can't have a cannon. I, for instance, just as an example, he threw that out there. It's like there's got to be reference historically well, he, somewhere. He's an idiot because he's directly contrary to historical fact. For example, in uh, the South, in the battle for the South with, with um, the British, Francis Marion, who is a hero of the revolution, was a commander in the militia. The militia are just private citizens who are loyal to the Whig cause, and they acquired, frequently did, a cannon. Now, they're not in the Continental Army. They're just private citizens. There was no action taken against them by the Continental Congress to deny them access to cannons. They own those cannons. They stole them from the British. They acquired them one way or another. They were given them sometimes by the Continental Army without hesitation. So these are private individuals who are taking mm -hmm. up arms against the British. They're called the militia. And it, it is precisely to defend against the threat that was posed that their right to bear arms exists. If you are threatened with a thermonuclear weapon, you have a right to have a thermonuclear weapon to defend yourself. Now, I'm not an advocate for the public to perceive themselves as having a, a right to a thermonuclear weapon, but I am telling you this, that you have a right to a weapon equal to that which is ordinarily posed against you in society today. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, when we have street crimes being committed, with automatic weapons, then if you don't have an automatic weapon in your defense, you're at you a decided disadvantage. Trouble. Yeah. And the police fully understand that. And unfortunately, frequently the police are not allowed to have automatic weapons. And so it is the case that the Second Amendment's violated with impunity all over the country in different ways. But there's no question in my mind that the meaning of the Second Amendment is very simple in this regard. You have a right to bear arms. You have that right. You have a right, it's unrestricted. You don't have, you don't have to get a permit. You don't have to get the government's permission to carry a particular kind of weapon. You have a right to bear arms. Now, you don't have a right to terrorize people. 
You don't have a right to threaten people. You don't have a right to point that gun at someone who's unarmed and is innocent. Mm -hmm. You have a right to defend yourself and you have a right to carry that weapon. Mm -hmm. And you should have that right to carry that weapon interstate and you should not be molested by the police when you do so. And we've got uh, this whole notion that somehow when law-abiding people carry weapons, we are at greater risk. Well, the fact of the matter is that's our greatest defense. And although it largely goes unreported by the mainstream media, Mm -hmm. there are innumerable instances nationwide in which individuals have defended themselves in their property using a weapon. More often, yeah, than not, especially. People's lives as a consequence of their use of the weapon. Jonathan, you and I would recognize and acknowledge that uh, there's been a societal breakdown in certain norms, right? And I I argue that it's our abandonment of our spiritual origin point where we value life and defend it. And that's a big problem in our culture. Now, I'm not mandating that everybody has to believe what I believe, but certainly we recognize that as people abandon uh, things that would inspire them to defend life rather than to take it, you know, wantonly and in murderous rampages and things like that. You know, we look back in history and even I remember in a kid in the 70s, I was never raised around guns, but there were like shooting clubs within schools that existed. And you see pictures of kids that would go to school with their rifle or whatever, and they would just, you know, set it on the side of the building. That's how different it was in terms of values. Uh, And so I'm not naive to the changes, but at the same time to argue that because people have abandoned certain principles from the past, that we should disarm the people who would not utilize them in defense of life rather than to take life. It's again, it's not a critical thinking, uh, what we say conclusion. It's one that's an emotional response to something that we all feel deeply, I believe, a terrible, horrible tragedies about. But then we have to step back from that emotional state and say, what logically could we do to prevent it as opposed to just say, hey, it's the gun, it's the gun, it's the gun. Remove guns from everybody and then this will all be fine, which we know those folks that are never going to abide by any decency or laws or limitations are going to take advantage of the disarmament. Um, there's an article, oh, our buddy Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center has a great quote talking about the, the threat of government against the people when the people are disarmed. Before a standing army can rule, the people must be disarmed. That's Noah Webster, 10th, October, 1787. Thank you, Michael Bolden, for that. So it's not just about criminal elements. It's about government. The last defense about, against the scourge of a government that has no limitation right. to take over. It's a it's a matter yeah. of sovereignty, really. Mm-hmm. And which, what, what the founding fathers understood is that the people would be sovereign in this country under a republic. And so as a result, because you're sovereign, you are allowed to have a weapon to defend yourself and your liberty. And you may uh, have that right and enjoy it so long as government doesn't exceed its uh, limits on its own power. And ideally the government is in lockstep with the people in defense of their liberties and therefore uses its own military to uh, go alongside the people, like as was the case in the American Revolution, the Continental Army, the formal army, was uh, backed by the militia, Mm -hmm. which was private individuals defending their own property, defending their own communities and and using their own weapons. And there were calls to arms because it was understood that the people had arms and that they had all kinds of weapons. The sharpshooters many times who had weapons far better than a musket 
who had rifles, long bore rifles, and could shoot much farther distances than the official musket of the British Army, were oftentimes enlisted to kill the uh, Redcoats at a distance and became indispensable to the movement for liberty. But they were fighting quintessentially, they were fighting for their personal liberty, for their families, for their property. And so when you're attacked, I mean, we have BLM rioting where people are destroying private property, AT, uh, you know, Antifa rioting, and they're destroying people's private property. These people are far much uh, worse off. They're really uh, vulnerable when they don't have a weapon. What happens? Look at those instances where Antifa and BLM arrived at someone's establishment and the people had weapons. Yeah, very little happens there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out, but it does take much, much more than a rocket scientist, really a expert in clinical psychology at a high level to understand the liberal penchant for denying every American their right to bear arms. Well, it's an emotional response and emotionality, uh, you know, doesn't uh, rely on critical thinking skills. As we said, the good news is there's a Rasmussen poll that says a majority of likely voters do not believe that more gun control would stop mass shootings. Uh, we've talked about the 10th amendment it and it's, you and I both know yeah. it makes much worse. Yeah, no. And, and we've talked well, about the, t the 10th amendment. The States have an obligation not to participate and cooperate uh, with the federal government when they violate the rights of the people, right? In this case, at the federal level, there's no basis for gun control measures. As Biden would like to claim, the Second Amendment has its limitations. And, you know, I disagree when it comes to me. I'm not giving up my ability to defend myself or my family or innocence simply because somebody feels emotionally uh, challenged, which, again, I acknowledge the emotionality. That's a human experience when we look at brutal events like this. But you don't then react like what happened in Australia after those horrible events and, and New Zealand, where they gave up their any right to uh, keep and bear arms. And now the government ran roughshod over them in the last two years and denied them freedoms and forced them into vaccination or quarantine camps, even if they weren't sick. Yeah. Remember, you know, it doesn't take us uh, really uh, to have to go through history very far to find instances where individuals have been disarmed by their government and have died in large numbers because mm -hmm. of that. I mean, in London, just uh, a couple of years ago, we saw a terrorist, uh, a Muslim a radical fundamentalist uh, terrorist um, who wielded weapons and killed many people and injured a large number of additional ones before he was finally taken down. But that was because people were not allowed to arm themselves. There was, you know, in England, they're not allowed to have weapons. And so they can't defend themselves when someone has a weapon. Hmm. And you think it's hard to get a weapon into these countries? No, it's not hard to get a weapon into these countries. It's certainly, what are you going to do? I mean, just think about it. If you wanted to institute a, a program of disarming the American people, you would get people who would be enraged by it. But if you were to force it upon them in a dictatorial manner, like Biden ultimately would dream of, you would end up with uh, an underground market in weapons much greater than it is now. Mm -hmm. And you would have a criminal element that would control it through like the cartels. And they would be supplying criminals with that. And you'd have it part of the drug trade and everything else. And it would create this massive criminal enterprise. And they would just feast upon a disarmed public. They'd know wherever they went, no matter what they did, they would be able to kill as many people and would have the ability 
to get out without dying. And if you don't create a deterrent for them, then everybody is a sitting duck. Yeah. You, do you remember that the people remember the Malvo uh, crime spree in, in Washington, D.C., when, you know, D.C. at the time was pushing for uh, total uh, gun control. And these guys just went around in a vehicle with the back uh, customized so that they could shoot through the back trunk of the vehicle of people. And they killed and maimed people all over the Washington, D.C. area for several weeks of terror. And um, no ability to defend themselves. If, if, if this they wanted to be in Texas, yeah. probably within a very short period of time, the guy would have been the both of those guys would have been killed by armed citizens responding to the fire. Well, in but, recent history, we've seen uh, attacks on uh, religious uh, facilities, churches, for instance, and the the assailants are immediately taken out by those who carry a weapon in a concealed fashion and immediately wield it and, and defend life in that context. Now we've got, you know, uh, left leaning folks, if you can even call it that, I don't even know what to say about these people anymore. Like Andrea Mitchell on NBC says nothing in the constitution at all about assault weapons. Right. And then she says, Oh, the killer appeared to have something like an assault weapon. The term assault weapon is, is assault a, weapon? exactly. It's a made up term to make something, a tool sound even scarier to people that don't know anything about them. I mean, it's a firearm as we know what firearms are for. We know what they can do, but to call it somehow an assault weapon. Now you've subcategorized firearms and say, well, they didn't write about assault weapons in the constitution. They didn't mean that in the second amendment. It's like well, these the arguments right about it means that there's no power to address it. Exactly. Exactly. They actually wrote about the right to bear arms. Right. And they made that a fundamental right, an individual mm -hmm. right against the state. It didn't have to be in the yeah. Constitution to be an individual right, but it's one of the rights that they put into the Constitution, it being a, a non-exclusive list of rights, the Bill of Rights. But uh, how can Andrea Mitchell say, well, because there's no reference to assault weapons, we can deny you a right to bear arms? Oh, well, there is a reference to a right to bear arms, Andrea. Mm -hmm. Just incredible. Now, you know, because this show, sometimes we stray and talk about health issues, Jonathan. And I know if people don't know Jonathan E. Morty's also been called the FDA dragon slayer. He's been tackling the bureaucratic oligarchy in the courts for clients for many years and actually has beaten back the FDA world record like eight times now officially. Isn't it eight? That's my memory. You add in uh, the Western States medical case where I was one of the lawyers for the plaintiff against the FDA. That would be nine. That was in the, that mm. was a court case yeah so, so nine so yet despite that the oligarchy often ignores even these court rulings and if you were to let's say uh manufacture or sell or market a dietary supplement like selenium that's the great example that you've been engaged in for so many years and reference the peer-reviewed medical scientific literature pretty solid on selenium and its prevention and reversal and even treatment of quote-unquote cancer and you reference that and it's on the shelf selenium you say powerful anti-cancer mineral and you have all the peer-reviewed literature backing up despite winning all of those cases there would be elements of the police state oftentimes state level officials cooperating with the federal officials that don't have the the, the policing powers and numbers to enforce this and then the, this is where the states fall prey to thinking they are subservient to the federal government when in fact the federal government is violating the rights of the people in this case first amendment violations didn't just start with covid you know, it came to anything that would compete with the pharmaceutical entities that have captured these agencies like FDA. 
Now, I, I bring this up as well in looking at one of our opening articles today, Jonathan. It says school closings and, and, and violent youth. And it's referencing in this uh, Brownstone Institute article about the pandemic response, right? The shutting down of schools, how that may have contributed to uh, ratcheting up anxiety, normal angst of youth times a thousand, right? And then there are many young people that are even more uh, trepidatious about life, fearful, uh, have hopelessness, despair. And in this case, they talk about even a lack of adequate sleep every night. Now, maybe because they've gone all electronic, we know that there's disruption in the sleep cycle when you have this phone up in your in your face at 10, 11 at night, you can't fall asleep easily. And God bless my daughter. She's amazing. She's like of her own accord. She says, I put my phone in the kitchen at night and I go to bed. And I'm like, so proud of her for, for making a, you know, a very powerful decision to have less disruption of the sleep cycle. It's so important for young people, much less people of any age, but critical when they're developing to be able to have healthy emotions and mental uh, abilities as well. And the lack of all of these things in the midst of an overreach and overgrab and overreaction of government has precipitated perhaps even violent events like what we just witnessed. I don't know all the details of it, but this could certainly add to it. Well, I think it's fair to blame the government, both federal and state, for an environment of helplessness and despair. And the reason is multifaceted. But when you take a look at the classroom, the typical classroom in America, they teach you there under the rubric of critical race theory. They don't use the term, but they that's what it's about. And also uh, the, the new gender studies, gender identity and gender orientation studies that they have for the, the youngest kids, sexualizing youth in preschool and kindergarten on up. What they're doing to our kids is child abuse. And it, it destroys their sense of self-worth, their, their love of country, their sense of security. It eliminates from them, makes them hate each other, hate themselves, hate the free market, hate the government, think that no matter what they do in life, they'll fail, think that this whole nation is not one of success, but is one of failure. It makes them feel hopeless. So when you cause children to believe that they have no hope, the child is a is a dreamer, is one that thinks of things that could be sort of the uh, Robert F. Kennedy line. I dream of things that uh, could be and ask why not. You know, the, uh, some people think of things that are and ask why I dream of things that could be and ask why not. That view is, is quintessentially one of, of the child. A child brought up properly dreams of, of a future in which they can make a contribution and is not cluttered in their thinking by the idea that the whole world is against them. Rather, they think the world's out there to grab by the horns and direct and to make this into something great. You want We want children to strive for excellence. We want a meritocracy. We have an educational system that is destroying meritocracy, is categorizing everyone based on their group, group a group which is uh, on the superficiality of race and is leading kids to be insecure in their genders, to think that they need to have a serious discussion about whether they really are a little boy or a little girl, and to entertain the idea that they would brutalize their bodies and would take 
hormone suppressive drugs that cause cancer and do those things to themselves with the full backing of the federal government. So if you want to ask who is responsible for screwing up the mentality of our youth and for making it more likely that kids feel helpless and desperate, that's the government. Yeah. Yeah. And well, they, these these teachers who are a part of this should be ashamed of themselves. School administrators should be ashamed of themselves. School boards should be ashamed of themselves. And really, parents' rights have to be reasserted. They have to be protected by law. We got to get the attorney general out of the business of trying to regulate speech by parents. Deny that attorney general jurisdiction by force of law would be the appropriate way to go. But Anyway, mm -hmm. your point is a good one, Robert. And you know what? The mainstream media will not address this reality. They won't no. because they're all for it. Yeah. They're all for it. And we know, too, in addition to what we mentioned about the psychiatric drugging issue, that many of these children, young people that have even aberrant mental and emotional states can be, uh, let's say, that state can be greatly contributed to by nutrient deficiencies right? Mineral deficiencies. We know that the body that we're in, we feel symptoms associated with things that were a threat to us, whether it be external or whether it be a lack of something we need internally. And then how does a young person interpret those signals? I've talked about hypoglycemia alone, Jonathan, as it, it, it in a young person's body, they have no idea what's happening as their higher brain functions are starved of nutrient and some oxygen. That's the simple lack of a mineral like chromium that facilitates this hypoglycemic response. Suddenly now you're operating under what's called the animal brain, right? The thoughts of what right and wrong are gone when you're just hungry and surviving, right? And these are very real issues, but you're right. They're not discussed, not much in psychiatric uh, oh. doctoring care, but the government and the media go, hey, why are we looking at nutrient deficiencies in these kids? Yeah, and not only that, Robert, not only are you right in your points about there being alternatives to these highly dangerous drugs that they give for ADHD and ADD, for example, like as if they're the candy, uh, and, and it's the most, even admitted by those who are in the profession of psychiatry and psychology, it is the most misdiagnosed diagnosis in, uh, pediatrics. That is that your child has ADHD or ADD. There's this perverse incentive on the part of the educational establishment and teachers to take a child who is disruptive or as uh, hyperactive and to drug them into a state where they are no longer a problem in the classroom. It remains the, the vehicle that they use for discipline frequently. And I've talked to teachers about how dangerous these drugs are, how they increase the risk of suicidality and violent behavior. Mm. And I've asked, why are you uh, allowing this? I mean, why are you contributing to this? And I have received answers. And I'm not telling you, I mean, this is absolutely shocking. Mm -hmm. I've received answers that are comparable to this statement. It enables us to control the children in the classroom. Yeah. That's why that's why we like it. And these kids are lining up in front of nurses stations in grade schools across the country yeah. at certain times medicated. They get their medications yeah. and their brains are deadeningly dulled by this mm -hmm. and their emotions are taken from them. Look, one thing about kids if they're normal, they'll be active. 
They'll be very interested. They'll be curious. They may have attention problems, but attention problems go with youth. And it's the duty of the teacher to inspire them, to captivate that attention, uh, capture it, and to make use of it. And that requires work. If you don't want to work, if you like the COVID epidemic because it gave you an opportunity to be a teacher at home and do nothing or relatively close to nothing, uh, you might well like this whole concept of controlling kids in the classroom. Mm. It's repulsive. We, we really need competition injected into the educational system. We need more school choice. We need good teachers to thrive and we need to complement them well. And we need bad teachers to be driven out. And we need yeah. more parental involvement in this as we do in every aspect of the education of kids. These people who say bureaucrats ought to be running the lives of kids and like uh, McCullough, what was his name? Uh, man who ran for uh, governor in Virginia and lost. Um, those who are for this type of, of uh, top-down control over people, mm-hmm. yeah, they they are I, I precisely- want to go. I mean, we talk about about our liberties at, at large. I mean, they're taking mm-hmm. away the rights of parents. They're taking away the rights of kids. They're they're depriving people of their opportunity, kids of their opportunity to get a good education, mm-hmm. and they're filling their heads with all this revolutionary nonsense in favor of Marxism and and this idea that everyone ought to be a dependent. What it leads to is that when you hate your country, hate the free enterprise system, and will not go defend your country and will not uh, enter the marketplace, mm-hmm. you're basically going to become a dependent. On government, and that's exactly what they want. Yeah. So I also want to add in in the school systems that every school should have a a, a garden. You know, it, like I say, everybody should grow some. We're seeing supply chain difficulties manifest in an era where they're trying to destroy the ability of these things to be shipped in with shortages and other things. But we have an obligation, I believe, throughout history to to be able to care for ourselves if we ever want to help and care for anybody else. And we can't care for ourselves. We're in a situation where we're dependent on what government, right. To, to, to save us or rescue us. So I think that that's another aspect that we've lost the, you know, the skills of survival, basic skills that are not taught. So we raise children that become dependent on a system, whether it be considered Marxist thought or otherwise, even crony capitalism has given us this false sense of security that other people will always provide for us. Yet those things are not happening in a free market. As you know, the control of uh, uh, by government through regulation to to limit innovation, uh, to to limit the uh, <clears throat> the freedom of the people to figure this thing out, and we don't have basic skills to care for our bodies in a way that our founders, the pioneers, and throughout history, the world that we had concepts of, and we've been taught, oh, it's not necessary anymore. The government will come and rescue you no matter what happens. It's like that's a very dangerous situation to be in. Well, they blur the distinctions of all of these things, the distinctions in order to propound this propaganda against the United States, they are destroying basic concepts of right and wrong. So for example, they induce kids to feel sympathy for those who commit crime if if their race is black or of color and to have no such thoughts when their race is white. So the news reflects this too. If a white person commits a crime, frequently there will be uh, uh, some publicity about it. When a, as we recently saw with the subway uh, murderer in New York, there was largely no coverage, I mean, very little coverage of that individual 
except in the case of Fox News. And the reason it is it didn't fit the narrative uh, of the far left, which is to take the position that uh, people who have been arrested who are of color and have been prosecuted and convicted mm -hmm. are still abused because of this oppressive white supremacist system called the criminal justice system. Well, that's utter nonsense. We, you, you know, any rational person understands that's nonsense. Sure, there are instances of uh, discrimination and abuse of police power and so forth, but that's not the entire system. Mm -hmm. And indeed, that's a rare circumstance. And when it exists, we need to find it and, and route it out of the system and make sure that people are punished to engage in that, of course. Mm -hmm. But it is outrageous to see all of this crime, most of which is within a minority community itself with mm -hmm. you know black on black crime, they say. Uh, and that, that goes by unpunished. We have these bail laws that let these people out by not having them pay uh, bail. And we have lenient sentencing and we have district attorneys and commonwealth's attorneys and prosecutors who are not prosecuting these crimes, all based on a, a, a false, skewed, uh, racist uh, narrative. And so the very communities uh, that are suffering are getting no attention in their defense at all, frequently. And, and we're talking largely about crimes of that violate life, liberty, and property, of course. Yes, and, and the most serious crimes. Yeah. I mean, you, you, yeah. if, where is BLM when it comes to black crime? Black no, no, no. They're, bu they're busy buying expensive mansions for the and guys and gals that run it. Heinous yeah. crimes. I mean, rape and murder and uh, robbery, of course, yeah. and Let property violations occurring in the cities, in the cities, mm -hmm. in largely in communities of color mm -hmm. going by. So, I mean, it's outrageous. The greatest harm being inflicted in these communities is because of a lack of law enforcement. A lack well, and, of it's, and it's happening among the communities that have been largely uh, uh, automatic Democrat votes, right, over the years. Yeah. And so there is a lot of wake up. We've seen that the lar enlargement of a so-called center, uh, left, center, right, that is not, you know, even they're not Republican. Now they're not Democrat. And and we talk about the shifting sands of what right and left is or what it was defined to be and how different it is. Again, I remember back when in a classical liberal sense, there was a defense of freedom of speech. Right. And right. now they are the, the, the most, uh, let's say, vicious violators of freedom of speech now. And let's look at also the shifting. Remember when Bush was president, Bush two, uh, and they started sending pallets of billions of dollars over to Iraq. Remember those pictures of the pallets just like who who got the money, right? Now we're we're seeing this again. Obama, I thought that was Obama. Well, there was that in Obama too, but there was some problems under Bush as well. We can acknowledge that. And and yet here we have now money being sent, billions of dollars being approved and sent into Ukraine. Now we may argue again the Ukrainian conflict with, with Russia and everything, there are reasons why you'd want to support one over the other, but let's set that aside for the moment and say, Hey, where are those billions going? Are they going into like crime Lords? Are they going, are they disappearing into, into, into black holes? And now 22 house Republicans have demanded accountability on Biden's $40 billion war spending. They're just going to throw money out that we don't have that, you know, we're dealing with an economy that's tanking. Thanks to a lot, what Biden's doing. And these few Republicans that are willing to go, Hey, Where's this money going? Let's get accountability. And 100% of Democrats voted against any accountability. 
Now, as I'm saying, the shift is on where they would, if a Republican were president, they might be on the opposite side of this. But I think this is above partisanship. Isn't it legitimate to know if we're going to send money <laughs> out to foreign whatever, that you'd have a tracking system so it doesn't end up like what happened in Iraq, which inevitably is probably happening in Ukraine? What really bothers me about this mm -hmm. is, is the idiocy of the spending. That is to say, not the price tag per se, but the lack of accountability. And I think that's the same uh, uh, largely with the Republicans who objected to this. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem. The Ukrainians need specific kinds of weapon systems. Okay. That's what they need. They need air defense systems that enable them to interdict aircraft and uh, uh, missiles. So they need anti-missile systems, defense systems, and they need anti-aircraft uh, very sophisticated weapon systems. Hmm. We have those systems and we can give them those systems and we can train their people on how to use those systems. And as before, uh, Joe Biden has been slow to supply anything they actually need. And then he's he's doing this ridiculous thing where he's giving them billions and billions in humanitarian aid. Where do you think that's going to end up? I mean, yeah. And, and that's that's the kind of aid that's most uh, easily abused, is most likely to go into corrupt hands. And while they certainly need humanitarian aid, what they really need is the ability to knock out Russian planes and knock out Russian missiles. But then you and, also remember they sent how much to Afghanistan and then what did Biden do? Left it all for whoever to use, all of right. the, the military, the hardware, the equipment, et cetera, so, right? disconnect in Biden's brain is contributing to profligate spending in areas where they don't have a dire need. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it, it's, it's, it, it's horrible for our national security and our own interests. We don't want Russia to invade Poland and other areas. We don't want them to be in Ukraine, of course, but the idea of giving the Ukrainians huge sums of money for things they don't need is ridiculous this is following on the corruption that they hit they covered up and hid of biden you know connecting to crime families there in ukraine all of that money that well, they finally got around to giving uh, for i mean for eight eight months i guess or whenever they first went in there it's been no it's all it has only been all right so for the last three or four months i have been advocating that the biden administration give the russians drones the There's Ukrainians the, or the Russians? You meant the Ukrainians. Ukrainians yeah. The Ukrainians uh, drones, specific kinds of drones that are very effective in knocking out the tanks, knocking out the... And apparently they've been doing that and the Europeans have been doing that at last. Mm -hmm. Took them a long time to get there. And that's helpful. But what they really need right now are these anti-aircraft and anti-missile systems mm -hmm. to be put in place to safeguard... Mariupol and other areas by knocking out Russian aircraft and knocking out mm -hmm. uh, Russian cruise missiles. And we can do that. And we aren't. And why not? And why are we giving them all these billions for areas of armamentation and areas of humanitarian aid that mm -hmm. they aren't even asking for? Well, and Jonathan, if we go to historical perspectives here, again, this goes beyond left and right necessarily because we've seen administrations on both sides screw things up. We look post-World War II where we 
the United States, if we will, went in and said, we're going to defend you through NATO. And, you know, the largesse of what we call European socialism was built off the fact that they were not funding their own defense, for instance. And so the vulnerability of Western Europe now is very real in terms of Putin's desire, ultimately, if he survives this, to continue to conquer, to move West, right? Take over if they can. And yet the Western European countries have not been engaged in their own defense and they've all fallen into a state of passivity and, and they're vulnerable, I think, partly because we made them vulnerable by saying we're going to do this because we do it better than anybody else. Well, there's something that's good that comes out of this is the idea that they need to up their ante in con contributing to their own defense. Yeah, they're going to have to. Yeah, well, that has been happening. And there's some countries in Europe which are have very sophisticated weapon systems and are, are very able to defend themselves who have not been contributing enough to NATO. Mm -hmm. And of course, it was President Trump who actually changed this dynamic. And he, of course, isn't getting the credit from the mainstream media for that. But he is the one who did it, who said, look, you're going to have to pay your fair share and we're insisting on it. And he got all kinds of flack at the time because they didn't want to increase the, their contribution. But that makes imminent sense. And that, of course, is what we should do. And it is uh, a real disappointment, uh, to say the least, for the rest of the, the, the Western world and NATO member countries to see that the uh, president of the United States, who needs to be front and center on this, won't even go to Ukraine and won't even, has not even the intellectual ability to engage the subject, won't even answer media questions, and is completely out to lunch yeah. when it comes to responding to their needs. I mean, he tells the Ukrainians, uh, we're going to give you what you need. And then he goes back to Congress and pushes this $40 billion bill, which has virtually nothing in there that they're asking that that they be given and then he tells the american people that we don't have the right to keep and bear arms because we and couldn't have cannons it takes back more than biden yeah. to do this of course it's of nancy course. Pelosi, it's chuck schumer and who's he, writing his scripts you know yeah, yeah these people are ridiculous they're they pander for public opinion mm -hmm. and they don't care whether they violate constitutional rights whether they violate the constitution whether they ha actually help ukraine or not I mean, they're all like Beto O'Rourke, to yeah. tell you the truth. They're all just uh, essentially political exhibitionists. Jonathan, we have a few minutes left in, in this hour, and I want to uh, address the uh, the hashtag stop the treaty. Now, I think the treaty is already engaged in terms of WHO and other things like that. But here's what's making the rounds. The idea that this is an imminent threat to U.S. sovereignty or whatever's left of it. Should the WHO declare a new pandemic of any kind? They would supersede federal and state and local governments in how they could manage the threat, real or imagined. And uh, if this passes, if we sign on to these expansions of power, so to speak, of the WHO, it will be then up to the states that are highly corrupted by the federal and globalist agendas to fight back in lawsuits that could take years before we're remedying the violations of the supremacy clause that say, well, if, we, if you make a treaty that that, you know, that overrides everything. But what about the treaty? Doesn't it have to be within or in pursuance with the Constitution and the limitations on government? Well, you I make think, a treaty to violate the Constitution. Yeah, I think I think there are a number of problems. One is that the treaty power does not embrace a perpetual treaty. In other words, the treaty can't evolve 
based on the administration's creation of new amendments to expand the power of an entity that, that, that was not passed by Congress as a treaty. The Congress never intended for an emergency power to be exercised by the World Health Organization that would trump our own domestic laws and would enable a, a transfer of fundamental power over American health and safety and sovereignty to an international organization. That's not what we signed up for when we entered into this treaty. And the Biden administration is reading the treaty to allow it and is apparently willing to go along with this uh, and is quite excited about it, as a matter of fact, which just shows you how sick they are. But this is to be blocked by Congress. It should be a, a suit by the Republicans who oppose this. They should file suit against the administration for violating the treaty clause, Senate uh, members of the Republicans in the Senate. Can they do that before it's uh, so-called ratified, even if there is a ratification process in this case? I don't even know if no, they're going they would have to. It, it, uh, the president would have to violate the treaty essentially by by amending it without going back to. Gotcha. Uh, so on that basis alone. So is there what do you sense? What is the pulse? Is there a sense that they can stop this from happening or is it fait complete? What do you think? Oh, there's definitely a way to stop this. And I mentioned that the suit by Republicans against the administration, there's a receptivity, tremendous receptivity in the courts, as we've seen, for stopping this administration's abuses of power. This would just be another instance where the courts would stop the administration from creating effectively a new treaty with the World Health Organization under the false guise that it's part of the old treaty when it clearly, clearly, clearly is not. So the suit would be by Republican senators against the Biden administration for violating uh, the, the World Health Organization treaty and by not seeking uh, the advice and consent of the Senate in amending it. Hmm. All and right. uh, that would be the basis for it. And then, as you point out, the states, too, would sue. Yeah. All right, Jonathan, we're I wish we weren't out of time, but I know that you've got a big Memorial Day weekend party to prep and plan. Is that coming together? It is. It's. Uh, miraculous we've been praying for good weather and it was 60 percent rain thunderstorms and then this morning we got word that it's going to be sunny clear skies and uh 80 degrees so it's going to oh, be great man well i hope you get some great pictures or maybe even some video clips of some of the amazing entertainment that's going to be there we'd love to spotlight yeah. because when when Jonathan throws a party, it's a capital P arty. It's awesome. <laughs> and uh, I wish I could be there, except that, I, you know, this weekend I've committed to be at the Advanced Medicine Conference uh, and speak. I on wish you here too, Robert. That's the, that's the sweet spot in the whole affair that it just isn't going to be there. And it makes me sad to see, really. Well, so. we, we also look forward. I know it's a few months away, but time moves forward. Uh, the Health Freedom Expo, of course, will be reunited and other events perhaps along the way. We'll let everybody know. So thank you, my brother, for being with us and yeah. rekindling that sacred fire of liberty every week, each each time. So that's Jonathan E. Moore. Thank you, my brother. We got a whole other hour of broadcast healing. Uh, we might talk about, uh, well, questions and comments you have in the chat room, as well as, uh, well, there's some questions of the day and comments of the day coming through. We'll hear from Super Don on the poll of the day. He gave a lot of options in response and some of you said well i would have added this one it's like this was a hard one and we're going to get to that uh related to what to do about these uh senseless uh, mass shootings and is it a gun problem or is it a people problem so that's coming up after the break thank you for being here thank you for sharing the show robertscottbell.com slash listen and reminder the power to heal is still yours
The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, we're back at it. Hour two here. I just want to heads up. We're heading to uh, the Advanced Medicine Conference this weekend. For those of you listening or watching live on uh, various channels, of course, right here at robertscabell.com. It's 26th of uh, May. That's a Thursday. Uh, tomorrow we'll have a, a pre-recorded but new uh, hour, at least, uh, for tomorrow with Tamara. Uh, she's amazing. She's been on the show before. But we'll look forward to that. Today, second hour, it's just you, me, and Super D. Uh, if we can get to them. Our buddy Murdoch has always said, where's thankful Thursday? And I'm sure a lot of other y'all we could do with a little bit more thankful stuff in the midst of a lot of serious discussion that we have here uh, on today's show and every show, really. Uh, another thing about the pandemic and the response to it is it's really ratcheted up, as we mentioned, anxiety, hopelessness, despair, emotional issues, imbalances, et cetera. And the hospitals are filling up with young people who don't have necessarily physical ailments being diagnosed, but certainly a mental and emotional ones uh, based again on the response to our fear of germs, real or imagined gain of uh, uh, a function enhanced other and otherwise. Uh, I want to bring super Don in the mix here. We also have a, a big poll of the day. I'm not sure where to fit this in super Don. It's a big one. You had, you had a lot of options for people and I don't know where this is going uh, with the newsletter that went out today uh, from the email list. So, Anyway, thanks, mm -hmm. Super D, for all you do. Yeah, so today's question actually had, I think this is a record for, for our polls of the day. Yeah. On the number of things you could have selected as an option. Oh, so it's a big one, yeah. It is, it's a biggie, it's a biggie. So the question is, are you through to more depressed today than ever? What's causing it? Mm. Uh, you had a number of things to select from. Uh, you could select bullying, social status with peers, sexual orientation, abuse, Pandemic lockdowns or isolation, environmental exposure to chemicals and toxins, prescription drugs or vaccines, or something else. Now, the one thing that was missing there, and this got pointed out to me this morning, is, is that maybe we could have put all of the above. Yes, yes. Because yes. <laughs> that looking at everything like that, I'm like, there, you could make an argument for any one or all of those. So here's the thing, or I could have re, I could have maybe worded the questions uh, differently and said, what, what do you think is is causing it the most yeah sure yeah. or something like that but in any case we'll cut you some slack super don your busy guy that you do this every day is still amazing <laughs> to me you know so i don't know what results from this because i'm sure people were frustrated well, by their there wasn't one that said all of the above so what do you i do? checked right at the top of the hours before we went to as we were going into the break mm -hmm. um and the this is the results we have so mm -hmm. far and it looks like the number one response here was pandemic lockdowns and isolation yeah, and it's very timely because that if you ask that question before the pandemic lockdown, right, any any of these other things could have been at play. Although if you go back further enough, the sexual orientation issue of controversy, it's not something we really had talked about over the years. Right. Uh, and that's also a new issue, right? Um, but so look at abuse in, issues is very low on the list. Very low. Prescription um, drugs and vaccines. There's a lot of people that say that's contributing to it. And of that course, came in second. Yeah. And environmental exposure to chemicals and toxins came in third. Yeah. So if we add those together, I mean, that's a pretty significant uh, response in an area where I agree those are significant in terms of uh, what's manifested. Uh, and, you know, like this opening article uh, for hour two that you've uh, you put in the notes. Pandemic has U.S. hospitals overwhelmed. And you think, OK, what is it? It says with teens, why? Are they all with, coming in with COVID? No, not at all. It's mental crises. I, I mean, this is a huge issue. I mean, it's like, it's, it, it's not like we've never had teens that have been in mental crisis. Heck, I was a teen. I mean, there are points in time as a teenager, you're like, 
where do I fit in? Right. This is a big, big issue always now, though, overwhelming hospitals. When was that a thing? I mean, did I miss something when we were growing up? We talk about Gen X and we just kind of brush things off and get on with it, right? Rub some dirt in it. But we know, and I know there were people that were in mental crisis. That wasn't something that was non-existent. But to hear of hospitals being overwhelmed with teens in mental crisis, then we go back to the poll and it's like, I think that this relates to the majority of it within the, the poll itself, not a majority of responses, but the majority of responses that went for what? Pandemic lockdowns and isolation playing a, a huge and in, 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 uh, inordinate role that has not been present in previous generations, at least in our history that we've been alive for most of us here. I mean, there have been crises in the past that we know that. But there was also, uh, I mean, maybe a different level of resilience that we didn't melt at certain things. But then again, I'm not accusing people of being snowflakes per se within a lockdown shutdown as a teenager or a young person. Because when you lose your ability to interface and socialize as a young person, it's bad enough as an adult that that can happen. But you're trying to establish your identity in the world and interact with with your, your peers, maybe even have some fun for goodness sake and celebrate life and find joy in it. And suddenly that's been taken from you. I guess it, it's not, it shouldn't be a surprise that we're seeing this. And the, the question is, what do we do to remedy it? Because you and I know here, it's not a psychiatric drug that will remedy it. That could drive someone like whoever this 18 year old was and why he did what he did to drive, to do more of these things. And you know, I saw a comment in the chat room, Super Don. I don't know if you've been able to monitor it at all in our chat room. Let's see, who was it? Azator uh, talking about, you know, we're in a different world from 1791, et cetera. And I'm like, you know, I can acknowledge that the world and the value system is different from then to now. At the same time, and I don't know if that's what Azator is, is positing, that we need to look closely at restricting uh, access to firearms, that is, you know, the, the right to keep and bear. And suddenly we need to now modify that, that view or that belief or that protection. And, and all I can say is I look at this very personally. I, I do acknowledge that there are people that don't share my values or maybe your values that you wouldn't ever utilize a firearm or a weapon in the commission of a crime or to take a life unless you were faced with a life and death self-defense scenario or defending some somebody like a child or children in a school's innocent lives in that case. Now, because there are a lot of people that I would acknowledge that maybe don't share our values that may have been corrupted because of nutritional deficiencies, toxicological burdens, or uh, a lack of, of, of values because our, our, our culture or society shifted away from godliness, however you perceive that to be. I am still not willing, nor would I ever be willing to give up my right to keep and bear arms because there are others out there that have now abandoned the principles that I hold dear and the defense of life that I hold dear. So to me, that argument will stop at that moment where it says, yeah, I'll acknowledge the shift. I'll acknowledge a lot of changes. I'll, I'll acknowledge the values are not what they once were, but that does not mean I am willing to participate in the abandonment of my right of self-defense, nor to go after the right of others to defend themselves because there are so-called bad apples and bad actors out there. I believe that's the wrong direction to go because if we are now left defenseless because a lot more people 
or would engage in criminal activity for various reasons. That is not a good, strong argument for me to give up my right or make you give up your right of self-defense. Super Don, do you, I'm trying to make, I don't know if this is too logical. It's not emotional enough uh, in response to what I perceive may be an argument there. And, and, I, and I am sensitive to the argument because I agree with a lot of the premise, but I don't, I, I'm not going to ask anybody to give up their right of self-defense because there are bad people out there more than ever, right? Nor am I going to give up my right of self-defense for that same reason. Right. Yeah, you know, it's um I I don't I don't feel like there's just uh, a a simple answer to the problem. Mm -hmm. And I think you know the mistake that gets made is that people go, well this this is what the answer is to the problem and now I'm going to get angry because you're not doing this. Mm -hmm. Right? When in reality, you know, the problem that we see with these these shootings with these kids uh and not even, not even just kids. I mean, you know, there's, there's sure. shootings go all the time on all the time. You know? I mean, what is it? I think it's it's just become a desensitized thing with places like Chicago. It's like every, I get a tweet. I can't remember where it's from. It's like from mm -hmm. somewhere. Every week, uh, every Friday, Friday, Monday, I think it is. And it gives like a report. How many people were shot and killed in Chicago this weekend? Wow. You know, and it's just like a regular thing. You know, I mean, it happens all the time. Gun violence is a real thing. You know, and so when you start trying to drill down into what is it that's causing this, right? And you've got some people who are going to say, it's guns. Guns are the problem. If you just get rid of the guns... It, then you it, have a knife problem. Look, we've seen that in areas where they disarm the populace. And then you have a government problem where the government can wholesale slaughter the innocents at that point in the name of, well, hey, yeah. we're going to denigrate one class of people you know, and say, hey, it's the Jews this time again. They're the, right. they're the one, right? And so the idea of giving up your right to self-defense because there are bad people out there, it's... I don't want to be mean about what I'm saying here. I'm just like, I think. No, and, you, and you're right. And you're right. And your reaction, and I understand it, your reaction mm -hmm. is to the push now, which happens every time. Every time there's one of these shootings, I always cringe because yeah. it's like, I know what's going to happen next. The Beto you know what's collapse. going to happen. It happens yeah. every time it happens. It's a bunch of politicians jumping up and down and yelling at each other. And one side says, see, we need to, take, we need to get rid of the guns. And the other side says, you can't take my guns and stuff like that. And your reaction is to that push that's going on again now. Mm -hmm. Where they're just saying we're gonna we need to ban the guns, right? But I think that the bigger problem here uh, that we need to be looking at is 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 what do we do about the people that are picking up the gun, rather than what it is they're using to kill people, mm -hmm. but what is it that's causing them to feel compelled to do so? Okay, and that's a complicated solution. There is no one solution to that thing because it's you know there's so many factors. As to what it is with this guy here, I've looked. Mm -hmm. They're not saying anything about him being on any kind of medication or anything like that. Right. He might be, but you know, he may not be. He may just be a really troubled kid, you know. And and, and so, what what contributed to that? Was it just genetics? Did mm -hmm. he, was he was he born an evil a child killer? Probably not, you know. So, what happened to this kid over time that caused him to snap? And decided this was something he wanted to do. Yeah, well, could that have been, have been prevented? Maybe, but you know, it's really it's really easy to look in hindsight on these things and say, well, we could probably could have done this, could have done that. But you know, the bottom line is, bad stuff is going to always happen, and it doesn't matter whether they pick up a gun or they they run over somebody with a car. Yeah, you know, or they stab them with a knife. But would or, you agree or, that the solution is not to disarm people's ability to protect yeah, themselves? Yeah, listen, I mean, yeah. you know, look, there are laws on the books already mm -hmm. that deal with 
you know, licensing and background checks, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff. Now, is there more that could be done? Maybe. I don't know. Is it wrong to have that conversation? No, it's not. I think the conversation should be had, okay? What, what the end result of that is, is, I don't know, that's something that people need to agree on. But, you know, it's not like it's the Wild West. Mm -hmm. There are laws on the books about buying guns. Is it possible that, that, that maybe there could be some things that could be done that would, would uh, maybe single out people that are potentially going to cause a problem, but do it in a way where you're not just doing some blanket, you know, uh, everybody thing? This kid obviously had some issues, okay? How many times do we look in hindsight, right? Here was a warning sign. Here was another warning sign. Here okay. was another warning this sign. This kid so, got on Facebook yeah. and warned everybody that this was going to happen. Right. So how do you miss that? If you're if you're the, the Facebook police or you're an FBI social network. I'll tell you it. what. If they're like YouTube, you can upload a video with no hardly any title on it uh, to, to YouTube. And they will figure out a way to monitor that stuff and see if you're saying anything negative about vaccines and, and put a strike on your account. You got an example of that? You got, I, well, I, that I, don't up, have a, you? I don't have a visual for it, but no, but you got an example of that. That's very, very recent. So bring yeah. that up because you're right. The ability to monitor is so all encompassing. If a guy <laughs> or a gal makes something on Facebook set and they'll ban us if we talk about vaccines in, in bad language and it's immediate, you tell me how they miss this guy unless somebody wanted it to happen. I just have right. to say that, but it's very it suspicious so, for sure. So what, yeah. what happened to you recently? Very recently. Just, uh, well, it was yesterday. <laughs> this morning, you sent I me... Uploaded it, I uploaded it, I think it was last night, your uh, your presentation for Be Healthy Utah, mm -hmm. uh, and put it on our, our Patreon for our Patreon members mm -hmm. as, a, as a perk and a bonus for, for being a patron. Uh, and then this morning, I got the email from YouTube. We have reviewed your video and have decided that it falls into the category of misinfor medical misinformation, you know, because you are saying things about vaccines that, that uh, dispute, you know, the consensus of the World Health Organization and, and health experts. And you know what? The thing is, is the only way they could have known mm -hmm. was either A, and I'm just, I'm speculating here, either A, a human being clicked on it and watched the thing and came to that conclusion, which I think is probably not likely. Because it was a private link. It was not a public link. It was un It's an unlisted video. Unlisted yeah. video, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm guessing a, uh, YouTube is using an algorithm of some sort that, and we've talked about this before, that they do have the capability of being able to scan audio files and pull out keywords to determine whether something, you know, has something in there they need to be concerned about. And so I, I'm going to guess that's how they're doing it because, you know. It was within how many hours of you uploading? That this less happened? than 24 hours, yeah. yeah. So yeah. tell me you couldn't track a guy that goes on Facebook and says, this is what I'm going to do and stop it. Yeah, you would think so, right? I don't think there was a, a willingness or a desire to do so by the authorities that benefit every time this happens as they try to push the American people to give up their right to keep and bear arms, the right to self-defense. Self so right. what are we going to do for our patron supporters? I want them to see and have access as a bonus and a thank you. Uh, to my lecture that is not available, you know, in public yet because YouTube banned it already. Uh, so how will they watch it? How will they see it? I I'll, I'll come up with a workaround. Well, I mean, what I'm going to have to do is is upload the video to uh, something like Rumble or Brighteon or something, mm -hmm. and then make that available for for people to click on. 
um, on Patreon. So right. I'll, I'll, get it, I'll get it fixed. Is but. not a teenager, an 18-year-old threatening to shoot up a school in, on Facebook, but it's the Robert Scott Bell Show and uh, what I said in a lecture about the immune system, about minerals, about vaccines that are not vaccines. That is just right out. We got to ban that immediately before it even gets air. And beside the fact that it was, you said a, a hidden or unlisted type uh, video as well that we were making available only to a select group that, um, you know, wanted to say thank you to them in that case. Right. So, you know, yeah, just amazing. Interesting, interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. All right. What else are we going to talk about today? This hour, super done. I'm well, <clears throat> let's talk about here. There's an opinion piece out of the Washington post. Mm-hmm. That is talking about uh, you know the, the teen mental health crisis, which we we you know we're addressing there. In the oh, I sort story. of hinted at this last hour with Jonathan, right? Yeah, and you know, there's so many, and like I said, there's so many different possible factors, you know, different variables, you know, that it's not like you can say this will solve the problem. You know, it's got to be hit from a whole, and this is the reason why the continue the problem continues to go on as it does, is because it would take a a, a serious effort. Uh, not just from the top down, from the government, we're going to do this, this regulation, this law, ban this or whatever like that. But it actually would take, in my opinion, an effort from the ground up, mm -hmm. right? Family, yeah. community, churches, you know, it, it, it would take an effort from everybody given, given a flip about people, which mm. I hate to say it, but it just seems like as time goes on, yeah, as we quote evolve or somebody would say devolve yeah. uh it, you know the, the whole thing about caring about people you know your neighbors and your your family and and stuff like that becomes less and less uh, a priority yeah well it says uh one in three high schoolers say they felt persistent sadness or hopelessness one in five have seriously considered suicide i mean at 20 percent. i mean this is just we are a, a, a let's say a culture adrift if this is the case if it's that high and as we search for answers, I mean, we have perspectives on it, I think, that are more holistically and spiritually oriented than those in the psychiatric profession, clearly. Uh, but no group has ever slept as little as the modern adolescent, is what they're saying in this article. 70% of young kids and 65% of adults get healthy sleep. But by their senior year, it says, only 15% of high schoolers do. 15%. 85% are not sleeping enough or well at all. Six and a half hours a night. That's a big they, number. Yeah, eighty-five percent. Come on, and and how much sleep deprivation can you can you viably live with before something goes wrong physically, mentally, emotionally, etc. One in five teens sleep five or few hours a night. Five or few hours a night. I mean, this is like way below what their needs are in terms of regeneration, detoxification, all the things that they're encountering for for healthy recovery by the next day. Uh, adolescents who sleep fewer than eight hours a night more likely to report symptoms of depression. One adolescent found that underslept teen, uh, teens getting six to seven hours a night were 17% more likely to think about hurting themselves than those sleeping eight. And sleeping five hours a night made them 81% more likely to consider self-harm. Isn't that think crazy? That. That's not I, subtle. That's not mild, dude. That's you're, talking like, them, you're talking about yeah. a difference between one or two hours can be the difference between somebody, uh, you know, considering self-harm or suicide. Yeah. That, that is, uh, that's amazing. Or maybe homicidal ideations and behaviors and, you know, considering, yeah. I don't know what this kid, 18 year old that, uh, perpetrated again, the sleep issue. 
and, and we're not here to say it's the only issue. Of course, we bring up a lot of the uh, contributing factors, but this particular article is pretty damning in, in terms of revealing that lack of sleep, especially, you know, I mean, look, you've had lack of sleep before. How do you feel? I've had lack of sleep. I know how I can compensate for some de- to some degree, but it continues on, on and on and on. It becomes a very dysfunctional scenario in our waking state. There is something very important and necessary about sleep, not only for the physiology, the human frame or body or the animal frame or body. Sleep is critical for so many processes. But in terms of, I think, our ability to work through this body, spiritually speaking, I think there is a time we need to unplug, detach, disconnect from this outer world reality that we look out through our eyes if we can see or hear if our ears, if we can hear, et cetera, the the five senses and go beyond that to recognize the spiritual essence of being able to unplug from the, I would call it to some degree, as much as life is a gift, we can become imprisoned by the body and the consciousness here, like, and become a mineral or rock, right? And not see the beauty and majesty of creation itself. So there's a spiritual crisis component, I believe as well, that can be connected to the lack of sleep too. But that means in a, in a waking state scenario to make choices to, to unplug in a contemplative, meditative, prayerful kind of thing, whether it's called yoga or whatever, I don't care what you call it, but some type of, uh, let's say, practice that gets you into a deeper level that might mimic even sleep. We've talked about those that med- meditate or contemplate getting into states that are similar to the sleep state, but through practice, maybe to compensate more instead of the phone, which I know it's always on, it's always in our face, and it keeps us directed in a certain way that may not be. I say may not be on being subtle here uh, to our benefit long term, much less short term. So, do they make any suggestions to your to your knowledge, Super Don, as far as besides sleeping pills? I mean, are there any, uh, let's say, positive life changes that could be done to help teenagers and adolescents sleep that that are not at this point, or is it just a here's the problem? Consult your doctor. Right, that's pretty pretty traditional at what happens in the because it's a washington post article you know it's going to be a big pharma solution i I, I think the takeaway is Mm. is sleep you know get get your 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 your, i mean at least seven or eight Mm. hours of sleep yeah um i think i don't know if it's different for for adults than it is for kids because obviously the focus of this article is about about you remember i did that sleep summit with Susie sank yeah I mean, that, that's a great resource. I had a lot of suggestions there, um, you know, as far as disruption of sleep due to hypoglycemia as well mm-hmm. as liver congestion. I mean, there are, there are a lot of things to well, consider Well, the EMFs here. play a part in that, yeah, too. Yeah, the EMFs yep. as well, exactly. So these are very real considerations. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk briefly, if we will, about the upcoming events. And we've got questions of the day I know coming in as well we'll get to. Um, but I just want to remind everybody, this is the weekend. We're going Memorial Day weekend for the Advanced Medicine Conference and san antonio texas great lineup you can still sign up to be part of it fly in drive in or watch from the comfort of your home use the promotion code bell for a discount off the tickets and uh so looking forward just to have a reunion with a lot of great folks our friends brian hooker of course looks like ed group's going to be there del bigtree uh we've got uh dr sherry tenpenny david martin uh man there's a it's a cascade of great folks layla sentner is going to be there larry palevsky ryan cole who we just recently met on the show here is going to be there you it's just be totally skipped over carrie Maday. i'm going to tell There's her carrie Maday. don't do that she's I'm been telling, on the show I'm we're going to see carrie Maday finally too again 
And then right below that in the uh, upcoming events page, you'll see the Next Steps Conference the following weekend, next-steps.info. Thanks to Tia Severino. This is going to be a wonderful uh, two-day event, uh, which a lot of Next Steps legislatively, legally, uh, religiously, community-wise, scientific-wise, medicine-wise, media-wise, all of that. And then there's a big UI Media Awards thing afterwards as well. Next-steps.info. Use the code RSB. If there's tickets available, you'll get 25 bucks off. We got some online summits you can see all for free. And then uh, big event in Nashville, Nurse Freedom Network, June 12th and maybe 13th as well. I can never remember if it's 11, 12, 12, 13, but the one up here on our thing is 12th at this moment at the shed in the, at the factory at Franklin, Tennessee, outside of Nashville. Ty and Charlene Bollinger will be there. An amazing nurse, Nurse Freedom Network. She's uh, putting it on there. Kimberly Overton doing great work. We look forward to being there with her and them. And then we've got another toxicity summit uh, uh, online. We have added in, and I'm sure that we're, I always think we're missing something, but there is the big one in Pittsburgh, the journey of healthcare interactive summit. And that's going to, thanks to Jamie Dorley and nutritional frontiers. I'll be in Pittsburgh for that August the 6th. That's a Saturday, August the 12th through the 14th. That's the following weekend, early August still uh, health stock, Leslie, and family are putting that on. Looks like Ben Tapper is going to be there. Rosalind Dorval, uh, Sherry Neal, Scott Shera, Kevin Tuttle, and more. Hope to see you there. We're trying to get Joni Abbott there. See who else can could join us there at that weekend, like a, a Woodstock for Health in uh, Carthage, Missouri. And we have the Autism One Conference coming up in August as well. The next weekend. Good Lord, I'm going to be gone a lot. Super done. It's going to be crazy trying to do all this. 18th, 19th, and 20th Autism One in Mesa. Arizona, Phoenix, basically. And we have the United States Health Freedom Congress in October. I'm sorry, September 23rd and 24th. Then we have the October events hitting into gear, kicking into gear the 7th through the 9th in Orlando with uh, Terry and Stu Warner and a bunch of folks. And then we have the Health Freedom Expo coming up the 15th and 16th. So mark your calendars if you can be at one or all of those events. Most of them are in person. There are online events that are free. And there's a great group of folks that are going to join us there, including uh wow let's see look at that list i see diane miller there my good friend morley robbins sherry tenpenny as well jonathan emort of course judy mikovich uh tracy straup todd frisch who we still need to get on the show ty and charlene bollinger paul, paul Bear Bear Hero. yeah i'm Amazing. telling him you've skipped him too well i see that your your sd your initials are covering his face i'm looking at that right now <laughs> oh it's my fault yeah well, you can, you're telling me you can't tell who that is uh sort of it looks like paul Bear come Hero. on so, yeah, Paul's going to be coming now. I just learned he's going to be joining us in San Antonio as well as Michael Badnarik. So it's going to be great. Stan Graham will be there, too. So we're going to have a lot of reunion time, a lot of fun together uh, joining each other. So remember, check out Nutritional Frontiers. They have a, a weekend Memorial Day weekend special, a line drive, they call that, 15% off of all of their products. And remember, we had the controversy right hearing from some of you. Well, they're telling me I can't double dip. Well, Jamie Dorley. The head of Nutritional Frontiers insists that if you're a Robert Scott Bell Show family member, and you are, if you listen to the show, use the code RSB15 and you get an additional 15% off. The 15% off they're knocking off for Memorial Day. So that this is a great time, again, to buy any and all their stuff, including the CBD hemp products, certified organic, cbdnf.com. Sign up uh, to become a customer. Mention the Robert Scott Bell Show. If you're in the United States, they'll send you samples as gifts, as thank you. Send a picture in with those samples that you receive to SuperDon, askrsb at gmail.com. And this is the, you'll be added to the, the wonderful collage of folks. And 
you'll be entered into the potential to win a big old basket of goodies from Nutritional Frontiers. And we're going to do that because we are getting some new entries. So we are going to do that in the beginning of June, sometime in early June. So you have time, but please get your entries in by requesting the samples when you sign up to become a customer at cbdnf.com, and then you can get anything at Nutritional Frontiers with the code RSB15. Okay, so let me see. We got uh, comment of the day. Yeah, let's do the comment of the day. Do you have the theme for comment of the day? That's different from question of the day, isn't it? A little bit? Uh, yeah, it is, just a little. Okay. All right, this comment of the day is coming from Amber, who wrote in a couple of days ago, and we a- answered her question about some health considerations or concerns that she was having. And Amber writes in and says, thank you, Robert, for taking my question. I'm pleased to report that after acupuncture with cupping, I have been relieved. I still need a chiropractic adjustment for my C3 and C1 vertebrae in a couple of days when the inflammation is settled, but I feel 90% normal. I'm still taking the Bryonia at a 30 C potency now a few times a day to counteract the bruising from the cupping. Now, here's the thing. If it's bruising, it would be Arnica. Uh, so if you're not, you may have, she may have miswrote. I don't know, Superdon, but I think Arnica would be more appropriate here. Although Bryonia is a, a liver polycrest is still good because anything that you have to process waste and debris and dead cells still has to process a lot through the liver. So it's okay that you're taking Bryonia, but I would say for the bruising, particularly the Arnica would be helpful. And she says uh, she'll be digging deeper into the chelidonium and liver detox. Great. And as a person raised in an allopathic world, I'm sure I could use it. Thanks again, Amber. Well, thank you for the follow-up. We don't often get follow-up when somebody has a question and I say, hey, consider these things. I'm not sure about this, but think about this. And then they they do it, but we never hear from them. So thank you, Amber, for taking the time to give me a follow-up. And that, that was a quick follow-up within a couple of days of answering that question because she had a lot going on and I kind of threw it out there and apparently no one else was telling her this. So there you go. Ask some questions, robertscottbell.com or leave us a message, 866-939-BELL, 866-939-2355. We did phone calls yesterday, I think. We took a couple of calls. No. We did. Yeah. And I'd, I'd hung on to those for, for a few days. So Okay. But yeah, we always appreciate those. I have another story here about viruses. Do we really want to cover that? You know, um, I like that story mm-hmm. just because the the headline made me laugh, and I knew it would pr- it would probably get your uh... okay. Bring it up and, and and show everybody, and then read it if you don't mind. Because yeah, I I got a little bit of a chuckle about that, and I get to wax viramedically. I just made up that word instead of poetically about viramedically. Yeah, I just made that up right there on the spot. Improv. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the headline is, let me pull it up here. Sorry, I got behind. Uh, Viruses that were on hiatus during COVID are back (laughs) and behaving in unexpected ways. Yes. Viruses behaving badly. I'm thinking like viruses gone wild. What the heck is a headline like this? It's stat news under their health segment or section. Helen Branswell wrote this article. Viruses that were on hiatus. Now, this begs the question of, of course, How do they explain viruses going on hiatus to begin with? It's like, you know, we've been active for years. I think we just want to take a break and let this gain of function (laughs) thing come on in here. We'll just like, well, it was a lockdown. They had to stay home. They couldn't. Yeah. Well, all flu 
disappeared, right? How many of uh, the, the things that they would normally or traditionally call flu were called COVID simply because of a positive PCR test that was questionable at best, right? And so I think this is nonsense. This is more anthropomorphism in terms of viruses being uh, relegated to supervillain status, right? They're in a Marvel comics. Why don't they make the viruses the, the villains, right? This is something that uh, just, how would I say it? Does it annoy me a little bit? Maybe a little bit? That you say, yeah, they went on hiatus, but now they're back and they're, they're behaving not like normal. They're like really upset because they've been on hiatus and now they're back and they're aggressive and more aggressive. Now, what's interesting about this article is that they do acknowledge the issue of natural immunity and natural immunity acquired via interactivity. That is, when we're out and about interacting with one another, we exchange things, information whether it be the, the so-called super virome of trillions of these floating protein sequences and or bacteria or other things, that there's a normal interactivity with an external biome or microbiome on the skin, in the mouth, and the throat, all throughout the body as well as on it. And that we have somehow weakened ourselves because we've isolated ourselves and we are no longer interacting and communicating and learning from one another you know, our microbiome interacting with yours and et cetera, just by being in the area. Now, this to me is not me advocating germ theory per se, but the interactivity is like a communication that these so-called germs that are supposed to be so deadly and harmful, in fact, may be benefiting us, communicating to us about the environment to give us an adaptability to survive or even thrive in the midst of so-called challenges within our environment. So when they claim mildest influenza, I would argue that there was just as much flu, but it was just being recategorized. Everything had to be COVID. You know that. Everything had to be that. And it was based on what? Not necessarily symptoms, even though there were symptoms that they kind of lumped together and that seemed to be manifesting as what they called COVID. But to confirm it and validate it only because a PCR test told them it was real. Or if it wasn't a positive test, then they would hit it again and again or ramp up the cycle threshold to make sure they got a positive result. And then more and more aberrant results in that regard. And we claim that flu was gone. How many cases of COVID were actually flu? I pointed this out too, that there are times in our history, in my history, that I've had a cold or a flu and I did lose my sense of taste and smell. No, that's not saying that there weren't legitimate loss of taste and smell due to a gain of function, whatever, in this time either. But again, to say it's 100% across the board, everything was COVID. Because yeah, okay, yeah, they, they went on hiatus, right? We weren't sure if we were going to renew them for another season. So we put that sitcom about the viruses on hiatus. And then they come back and they're like, well, they're not doing what we normally, they're, they're worse now, really, because they're rested up. Well, I have argued, too, that if there ever would be a pandemic, I'm just going back in my memory banks of talking about it, that the reality is the pandemic would be the result of a weakening of the population, not a supervillain virus that has been argued that it's isolated gain of function out of Wuhan. You know, there's evidence that there's some strange stuff that has happened. Don't deny it ailments, illnesses, manifestations, severity, but how much of the death and mayhem and destruction has been any reaction or overreaction 
to the small percentage of people that were apparently vulnerable to whatever it was or is, the elderly, the multiple comorbidities, the multiple medications, et cetera, in the initial phase of what they call COVID, that only manifested in other age groups predominantly because of the introduction of an experimental gene-altering technology called mRNA shots that they wrongly call a vaccine. And then suddenly the expansion of ailments and illnesses, and we're still seeing more and more people suddenly die suddenly, unexpectedly. Young people in the height of their health span, high-level professional even athletes, cardiac events. And we're trying to say that's normal. Is that a viral issue? Was it caused by a virus? Or could it be caused by whatever they're causing to happen in the body via these experimental injections? Yes, they're all experiments. In this article, they acknowledge that the viruses are not different than they were before, but we are. And that's interesting, too, because a lot of the argument is that, wait, I thought the viruses are mutating all of the time. They're changing all the time. But this article actually goes into our vulnerability because we have less immunity because we're not interacting with one another. And what is it they said we had to do in order to survive and not get it or die was to isolate ourselves. Are we going to fall for it again with monkeypox or whatever devastating thing that they're going to claim or trigger happening next? That isolation of healthy people is the only way we can get through this? Or would we have gone through it faster had we had the freedom to respond as many even doctors recognized was much more viable via interactivity, via acquisition, an interface, an interplay with these things that uh, contribute to training our immune systems, to actually strengthen them, not weaken them. We're not far from the next proclaimed pandemic if they can get away with monkeypox. I don't know that they will. Or is it a ruse to get us ratcheted up in fear again and then come up with something else posited by some triggered by the very jabs that they say is the only thing that will get us back to normal as bill gates said is if we can jab everybody on the planet multiple times preferably of course so the idea of strength of immunity by isolation is absurd we are stronger when we interact with one another and this is not an argument that says the most vulnerable and sick and comorbid among us should be thrown into the mix of whatever ailments or illnesses we perceive are going around or vibrationally, if we look at it that way from the standpoint of uh, electrical grids, 5G, et cetera, manifesting in strange ways in people who are more vulnerable than others, less adaptable than others. But it is certainly not to stop healthy people from interacting with healthy people. Remember, COVID lockdowns happened among people who simply had a positive response to the PCR test with no symptoms at all. And in the first time in history, we started saying, well, healthy people need to be restricted from movement. They need to wear things to restrict their breathing. And then we need to convince young people that their very active breathing could be a deadly event, creating more fear and an anxiety like that than we have what else? Immune suppression adrenal burnout on and on it goes they even telegraph that we might see more acute flaccid myelitis polio by another name which is not caused by one virus never has been but due to toxicological burdens and nutrient deficiencies and other things that are weakening 
are every system, including the immune response. They're actually saying, hey, we could have a worse scenario because we've isolated. Rather than acknowledge what many of you have acknowledged and know, that this is induced by the experimental injections and other immunosuppressant medical interventions. How do we respond after those couple of years of lockdowns and shutdowns? Do we reject outright the next call for isolation? The next call for shutdowns and lockdowns, the shutting down of churches and non-essential businesses while the global conglomerates continue to chug along and get bigger and more powerful and more wealthy based on not real free market competitivism, but who's offering the best stuff for the best price. But in fact, how do we shut down the people and make it so that they become more dependent on us? Us, who are they? The globalists, the elitists, etc. They acknowledge the role of interactivity in humanity to develop immunity to normally circulating things that don't automatically result in deadly events. The terrain, once again, the terrain communicating with the terrain, communicating with the terrain, terrain that schedules us for strengthening, <laughs> schedules us, if you will, results in a strengthened overall vitality. All right. Have we run through all the articles uh, uh, that lead us to thankful Thursday yet, Super Don? Is it, I mean, this is a, it is Thursday. I'm grateful despite a lot of the things that are going on out there. Certainly grateful for you, my, my I think pal, we my have friend. arrived, yes. You have arrived at Thankful Thursday. And isn't so. that a Murdoch-induced event? It is. Event, right? It is, as a matter of fact. I don't know if Murdoch's in the audience today. Have you seen any chat coming from, from him? Um, I don't know. Let's see. Murdoch. Usually he gives himself kind of a crazy name every day. It changes mm -hmm. like on a daily basis. Murdoch is thankful. I've got him. Um, yeah. He's here. He was he was here an hour ago. Why don't you kick it kick it into kick it into gear? Because I think the first thankful Thursday story is a little kid in T ball. Uh it is. Did did uh did did your kids play T ball at all? I told you the story about my son. He played T ball and pitch ball, kid pitch even. And uh the funniest thing that happened, I wish we'd have had this on video, he's out in center field in defense and Suddenly, the, the parents around me are going, hey, look at that kid out there in center field. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's my kid. What is he doing? He turned around, went to the back fence, dropped his drawers, and, and, and peed. He believed himself. Oh. You know, and okay. that, would, that would be a very well, funny thing to see. That but, Yes. You know. Well, apparently, I guess there, there was another kid here in this in this uh, video or this this article. Yeah. Uh, that he was walking out. Through, it, was, it was his time to bat. Yeah. Right? To hit the ball. Mm -hmm. And he decided to do it in grand fashion. And this is what it looked like. That's about how I dance. <laughs> Oh my god. And then he hits the ball. <laughs> 
that's great. Now that's something to be thankful for. I mean, it, yeah, I think it brought a lot of laughter to folks to watch that. That kid just jamming out to whatever song well, that was. And that I'll tell you funny. what, I don't know about you, but uh, I had some experience with kids playing in Little League and, and stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, it's nice to have something funny like that because they can get pretty intense. Yeah. Especially between the parents. Have you ever experienced that? Oh, yeah. I've seen oh, that. It's like, come Crazy. on. Let the kids play. Don't sit there yeah. and compete you know, with each other. But anyway, that was that was, that was was very fun to watch. Mm -hmm. All right. So then next, uh, I don't know what it is about hikers. Mm -hmm. You know, but every once in a while, you ever, you ever notice how you, you, you'll see these articles where uh, somebody wants to take a picture Oh my gosh! They, they like you know the the, the selfies that are the so selfie dangerous, thing right? just gets people into a lot of trouble. Apparently, there was a, a hiker in Utah mm -hmm. uh, that um, I got a Georgia hiker too. Which oh no, no, no I'm do? sorry, the Georgia hiker. This is the yeah. one I want to show. Okay, the Georgia hiker. Yeah, uh, fell off a, a waterfall while snapping a photo. Oh my gosh. And apparently a hiker in Georgia was rescued Friday in what officials say was nothing short of a miracle after she fell 50 feet wow. off of a cliff while trying to take a photo and became wedged in the rocks of a waterfall. Oh, my gosh. And apparently they managed. I mean, she they, you know, typically somebody falls off a cliff. Yeah. Uh, 50 feet. They're going to die. She right? was wedged in the rocks from her chest down where the waterfall waterfalls meet. And uh, let's see. Raven County. I've been up there. I've seen those waterfalls years ago. Have I grew you? up in Georgia. Yeah. They're they beautiful. They had tons but... of people going out there and stuff yeah. like that. And they managed to rescue her and she ended up being okay. Wow. She was kind of the exception to the She rule. was able to walk assisted back out. Wow. That's amazing. Isn't that crazy? Wow. That's something to be thankful for, for sure. Now, yeah, absolutely. Let's, do, let's talk about the Utah hiker. Utah. Apparently rescued after slipping on ice. Yeah. You don't see a lot of ice in Georgia, uh, uh, but it's cold water even in Georgia coming out of the ground. But here in well this is utah cliffing out lucky to be alive clung to a rock in provo canyon utah what happened here she apparently slipped on some ice and she fell mm -hmm. slid down uh whatever an icy scree field is wow i guess you have to know hiking in ice to know what that is a scree field uh, yeah. she was found it's a term called cliffed out and clinging, clinging to, a, to rock. a rock yeah and uh, apparently, it, it cliffed out means the individual is in such a position that they could neither go up nor down. Okay. So they basically, they were just stuck. How do you rescue somebody in that situation? Well, they worked for over two hours, uh, and they ended up, uh, as you can see in the picture here, they had helicopters and, and stuff involved in, on getting there. Look at the team. Look at the size of the wow. the, the, the people there. That, they got uh, a serious rescue there. team there. So they managed to get her. She was stuck on a cliff, and... Got lucky. She was did not become a statistic. Gee, another thankful Thursday, which that's is, for sure. Which is always good. Mm -hmm. Now this Finally, last we one, have, this, we have another dancing one. This one, uh, let me get to the right thing here. Mom with ALS. I'm going to switch over to a different view here. This uh, mom had ALS. Son getting married. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things in a wedding is that you have the mother son right. dance. Yeah, and. Uh, they ended up making this happen for the mom and for the son. The uh, other sons, the brothers, mm -hmm. got together mm -hmm. and they helped the mom get out of the wheelchair. Oh, nice. So that her and the son could have their mother-son dance. Oh, look at this. Wow. If that doesn't hit you in the feels, nothing Right, does. right. 
right oh look at that how cool is that that is so sweet gosh darn it that's yeah thank you for sharing some thankful thursdays i'm glad we were able to get to it today we definitely needed that uh yeah happy to see some happy stories in the midst of uh, a lot of things that are not so happy if you will uh, and thank you murdoch you know yeah i mean because you know it's it's so easy for us to sometimes focus (laughs) on all the crazy stuff that's going on in the world it's good to be able to see that there's uh some stuff that can make you feel good yeah Oh my gosh. All right. Steve says thankful Thursday has become twerking Thursday. Yeah. That little kid was a little bit <laughs> twerky. I have to say, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he'll grow up to be a good dancer like me or not, but <laughs> still well, one can only hope. Yeah. You're on a one shot, my brother. That's okay. I, I don't need to am be I? on the screen. I yeah. guess I am. Huh? Yeah. Look at you with your ponytail. Everybody's all so about impressed. me. It's all about you being, I got compliments on that on at the AMA. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out funny. to Lori Harvey, one of our longtime, you know, kind of RSB show family people, right? She's been supporting us for years too. Uh, she's planning to be at the Healthstock event. She says she's also making car de- decals and T-shirts for Healthstock and with the Carthage, uh, Missouri event. It's gonna be great. So let's see what else we got to do before we wrap it up here tomorrow. It's a travel day, but we I'm going to be recording. It'll, it'll appear like it's live and new tomorrow. The, I think the opening hour of the show, we'll talk with uh, one of the um, so-called, uh, we call mediums, for lack of a better way to say it. Is she the Southern Bell? Southern Bell medium, medium right? Tamara. Yep. She, Tamara Calder-Richardson, I believe, and she's a hoot. She's just fun. And we'll talk about uh, tra- spiritually transformative experiences, STEs, as opposed to just NDEs. Because, you know, think about an NDE, Super Don. You haven't had a near-death experience, right? Like where you actually no. die. Okay. Uh, and I have. And it's like, I think one of those is enough. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm cool. Now let's see if we can, you know, of course it changed my worldview and everything for the better. But there are people that have them multiple times. I'm thinking, are, are you clumsy? How does that keep happening? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not trying to be judgy about it. But no, it's a I, good I question, like, though. It's a legitimate question. I like to think about being caused in those events sometimes it's like totally out of your control you're a victim of it but at the same time it could be beneficial is there a way you could do things that could encourage you know a deeper connection to god to spirit and i know everybody's got different perspectives on that i'm sensitive to every that everybody's got their view on it but i like to talk about the many ways that people can be opened up to the love of god to the guidance from uh you know our, our deep spiritual roots and I realize that not everybody's going to agree about the way to go about it, but I think we cover a lot of different bases here. And I hope you'll flex with me as we talk about another way to do that. Uh, it's not to convert anybody to anything. It's just about sharing the human experience, and that's part of it, I believe. So hopefully you'll tune in tomorrow, and we'll see what kind of encore second hour is because I'm going to be flying out tomorrow. But uh, should be a good show. And then we should have some more uh, interviews coming out from the Advanced Medicine Conference, both for Sunday's radio broadcast and for Monday's uh memorial day event if we go live there and or tuesday which will be a travel day so we're, we're figuring it out but it's starting the very busy travel season so flex with us as summer arrives and how we're gonna move forward to do these shows so mm-hmm. with that let's take a break 60 seconds from now if you want to join us for the bonus round we'll check out your questions and comments and uh wrap it up for the day and uh i'll get some more recording done to get ready for the advanced medicine conference this weekend thank y'all Power to heal and be thankful is yours.
right, here we are. A little bonus round. I got no agenda uh, today. Uh, sometimes we have some ideas and things we didn't get to cover. I think we comprehensively covered most of the articles that we intended to, but it's okay. Sometimes you should so. leave it, leave some on the floor, so to speak. And we did get the thankful Thursday. Sometimes we don't because it's just so chock full. So I'm glad we could do that today as well. Right. Uh, just bummed about again being banned. You, your, because it was through your account on YouTube. You got dinged. Oh, uh, it's because, just one strike. It's no big deal. Okay. It's not that that big of a deal. Um, yeah, but I definitely want to get that out for our patron supporters to say thanks initially. Yeah, at least that's not a problem. Um, the 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 oh. lecture I gave at the Be Healthy Utah event was really good, uh, and it, it was pretty intense at times too because they tried to cut me off. <laughs> it was like <laughs> inadvertent, but anyway, there's so I, and I still haven't seen if they actually kept that in or edited it out, but I think it might be there. Yeah. I was like incredulous. I'll work on that tonight. Okay. Figure out how to get that Not up for a you. Big deal. And I actually need, if we can, try and cut this just a little bit short. So I got to okay. go run an errand and then be back, hopefully, in time for the uh, the record. Oh right, yes, yeah, we got that set up. Let me see what time is that recording session? I forgot. Three thirty, I think. My Your time. time. Okay. All right. So yeah, let's do that. Well, any uh, y'all have any questions or comments? Well, here's a, here's a comment one? here. I think okay. we can we can hit this here. Juanita says she just started nebulizing copper. Mm -hmm. She has allergies. Um, causing a feeling of shortness of breath, and even though the oxygen, oxygen levels are good, hoping the okay. copper helps a bunch. Okay. Well, like, <sighs> inflammation is part of the immune response, but it's an overreaction to, as you know, allergen triggers that don't trigger everybody. So it's a metabolic issue. It's not an allergy or allergen issue per se. So nebulizing copper would bring locally and to some degree systemically uh, the benefits of reduction of inflammation, antimicrobial benefits, as we talked about, antiparasitic event, uh, benefits, if there is any of that going on. Um, you, you could probably do silver hydrosol nebulized and then a copper hydrosol nebulized. You could do both at once, but I like to do separate so you learn about what's having the greatest impact on your breathability, if you will, or dealing with the congestion. And you can breathe it in through the sinus cavity and helpfully clear that because a lot of the allergies happen in the sinuses. Some, of course, can be chest-focused as well. Uh, but there's a lot of complementary uh, properties between silver and copper, and they can both oxygenate too, although you said your oxygen levels are, are, are good. You're just feeling a little bit of that congestion. So I think that was uh, um, a, yeah, a good thing. So let me know how you do. Uh, how to do it, a 5 ml dose within the nebulizer cup you don't have to add anything or take anything away it's ready to go right out of the bottle uh, so you don't have to mix it certainly not with saline because that would neutralize a lot of it as well so anyway glad you uh, are on that let me know how it goes i'll be curious just like we had amber respond two days later say hey this is what happened it's great we learned a lot from that mm -hmm. um, for those of you joining me at the advanced medicine conference i will have loads of silver and copper to pour out so we'll have happy hour through the weekend as long as it lasts keeping us strong and vital and healthy through the san antonio event i understand it's going to be pretty hot there in the upper 90s maybe 100 outside but dry i think san antonio is not as humid as some places so hopefully it'll be nice in that regard too so what else any other questions comments coming through that i should know about before we wrap up the bonus round i don't think so I still think the funniest article of the day was this, you know, viruses behaving badly thing, right? <laughs> they went on hiatus. Now they're back and badder yes. than ever, right? This idea yeah. that viruses are living things. They, you know, they 
give them anthropomorphic quality, so to speak, or personify them in some way, shape, or form. Shout out to mom. Hi, mom. After the San Antonio event, turn around, heading to Atlanta uh, with the kids, and we're going to uh, be there for a, a good bit of time. And, of course, the Next Steps Conference in Atlanta. Looking forward to seeing my friends there. Ula says she's going to fatten me up with some pierogi before the event. She's going to visit with her family. That'll be nice. So get some hot water. There I'll probably have some humidity back in Atlanta. Yeah, so we'll get, I don't think we'll get used to that again, but I'll remember what it was like. You know, Shortness of breath. Remember uh, the, the lung remedies. Bryonia alba is also a good homeopathic remedy to start with that covers liver and lungs. So you could do a dose of that along with the nebulizer sessions or before or after the nebulizer sessions for Juanita there. Let's see. Lori says she had a NDE back in 1990, still freaked out about it. Hmm. Maybe you want to submit a question for all I know to uh, Tamara, but I, I don't know if I get to it unless you submit it right away because I'm going to be talking right. to her in about an hour or an hour and a half or so. No, three, three, oh, half hour from now? Dude, I got to let you go, Super D. You said you got to run an errand, right? Yeah, I got to go run and do something, So, but I should okay. be back in time to do the recording. I don't want to belabor this, so y'all hang in there. We'll be back, God willing, less than 22 hours from now with some new uh, stuff for the show, even though it's a travel day, and see many of you in San Antonio or watching the live stream. Remember, bell for the discount code, and the following week, RSB for the discount code for Next Steps. And uh, uh, thank you all for being here. So much appreciate you being willing to share the show and hang out with us as little or as much as you can. All right, see you tomorrow.
What are we still doing here? Are we still here? Oh, you know what? We got to say hi to Thomas. He thinks I'm ignoring him. Hi, Thomas. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.